The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the show as we kick off another week here. We kick off Christmas week. This is Christmas week, which I'm just com- completely hit me uh, like a ton of bricks a few hours ago. I, I For some reason, I thought I had two more weeks. Um, I don't have two more weeks. That creates a bit of a, a problem, but I will figure it out. I hope that uh, you're not in the same boat I am. I mean, this whole the whole lockdown pandemic can't go to the mall. Not that anybody goes to malls anymore. I think, sadly, I think the pandemic was the final nail in the coffin of many nails in the coffin of uh, malls and that kind of shopping. But either way, it's still fun to get out and, you know, kind of whatever, go into the stores and see the decorations and hear the music and look at stuff. It's kind of fun. It's also kind of fun not to have to do that. But either way, it doesn't it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it is Christmas week, so make your plans accordingly. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to be able to get together with their family or whatever, but whatever you do, be safe. I, I you know, I tend to err on the side that, you know, my family is more important, and really my sister is the only one left, um, is more important to me. Um, I'll take whatever precautions, but I, I still think it's high, very, very important to, uh, to to spend time together at the holidays. That's just me. Don't go telling the CDC that I'm out here promoting whatever. It's just all craziness, if you ask me. Anyway. Speaking of craziness, we've got two guests for tonight. We're going to be talking about a couple of things. In the first part of the program, we have Dr. Sal Giorgiani joining us. He is going to uh, talk about the new COVID vaccine and some of the reports we're hearing about it. Mostly good, I think, but it's kind of too early to tell. But there are some concerns that some people have expressed. He's a doctor of pharmacy. He's also the senior science advisor to Men's Health Network. So we'll be talking to him in the first part of the program. And then in the second part of the program, we've got David Weiss. David Weiss is a truth seeker. And we'll be talking about what he calls the greatest deception of all time, the big global or big globe lie. In other words, David is going to talk about flat earth theory and why we've all been lied to for so long um, about the shape of the earth and how the whole thing works. Having said that, if you've had a chance to check out Saturn and Jupiter kind of converging in the night sky, it's a spectacular sight. I think it happens once every 800 years or something like that. Uh, they're calling it the Christmas star, which I find it, find to be very, very fascinating as well. Very fascinating, in fact. But either way, if you get a chance, uh, f- go take a look at it because uh, it is spectacular. We, you know, especially something that comes around once in a millennia, uh, and we happen to be the uh, have the ability to see it. That's pretty cool. So take advantage of that. Please support the program. Go to Patreon.com/slash Johaw. That's J O H A W. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, like I said, we've got two guests. Our first guest of the evening is Dr. Sal Giorgiani. 
He is a doctor of pharmacy, senior science advisor to Men's Health Network. We're going to be talking about COVID, the vaccine. Dr. Sal, welcome to Beyond Reality. It is such an honor to have you with us tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for having me on, Javen. So we've got to kind of get the status of what's happening here. I mean, we're all seeing news reports of people getting stuck in the arms with a vaccine that was created in what seems to be record time. Um, I don't know where to start, but let's start with the vaccine and the process. We all know that uh, President Trump, um, you know, uh, created this program called Operation Warp Speed to create a vaccine for the COVID pandemic uh, faster rather than later. And it seems to have worked. How do how was this process different, Dr. Sell, than what the normal vaccine creation process would have been? Well, certainly we were in a terrible crisis. And what uh, the usual process for developing a new drug or a new vaccine is really a sequential process. You go to step one, you file your submission, you get it reviewed, you go to step two, you file your submission, you get it reviewed, you go to step three, on and on and on, or multiple, multiple steps. These submissions can be hundreds of thousands of pages long. And then after you get approval uh, or a tentative approval or a green light at a certain stage way down the line, you start going to your manufacturing facilities and you start gearing up from your uh, small production runs to scale to make large production runs of a product. What was done here, and I'm not thrilled about the term Operation Warp Speed. It sounds a little beyond, uh, you know, a little science fiction-ish. <laughs> but uh, the reality is what they did was instead of doing everything in sequence, they looked at where you could do things in parallel. So what they actually did, which is unprecedented, and it was because the government guaranteed certain purchases of the product, uh, it, you know, to all of the companies participating, is they began the manufacturing scale-up process soon after they had uh, some idea of what they were going to be making uh, and how they were going to make it. So that began much earlier on. The other thing is that they were running multiple types of studies at the same time. Uh, And the third thing that makes this a little bit different, which most people don't realize, is that scientists have been looking at these SARS-type viruses. Remember, this was early on known as the novel SARS, uh, you know, that virus. That's right. Uh, because it's a, it's a category of viruses that people have been looking at since, believe it or not, 2002. So it's not just this all of a sudden popped up completely unknown. There was a lot known about the category uh, of this virus and the characteristics of this virus class early on. And so they didn't have to start exactly at stage zero. It was stage zero with this variant, the COVID-19, that's the variant that was discovered in 2019. Mm -hmm. So there was a baseline there to go with. So I think there were a lot of things that were done. The most important thing that the uh, Trump administration did was that they insisted that the CDC and the FDA not collapse their processes per se, although there was some of that time compression, but that they ran things in parallel rather than insisting that things be done. Step one, step two, step three. So that that was the biggest thing that they did. Dr. Sell, do you think that in any way compromised either the efficacy of the, of the vaccine ultimately or the safety of it? That's a very important question, and I looked at that, uh, and many, many people have looked at it. 
expert outside advisory panels have looked at it. And at the end of the day, they while they did things rapidly, and a lot of it, too, is, I mean, the folks at the FDA, the folks at the CDC, the folks in the pharmaceutical companies, their families are affected by this virus. It's one thing to be making a medicine for diabetes when you don't have diabetes in your family or high blood pressure or cancer, but it's another thing to be making a vaccine that you, your mom, your dad, your kids, and uh, love people you love are going to be made. So there was a lot of motivation to work very, very hard, very long hours on the part of these dedicated folks to get it done. So I don't, and they're going to be giving it to their families. So that's another motivator to do it right and not, you know, skimp uh, on the details that are so important. Uh, the other thing is folks don't realize when you have most medicines that come out on the market, they're studied in about 3,000, maybe 5,000 persons. These were studied individual companies in the magnitude of 30 to 40,000 people. All those people who volunteered, uh, there were almost a, a million people volunteering, and they used about 500,000 of that volunteer pool. They're true patriots, too, VJ, uh, uh, JV, sorry. They, okay. they volunteered to, to get this vaccine untested. And I think that, um, you know, so while it's moved very rapidly, uh, it, I don't think corners of the important things were cut. I think corners of red tape were cut. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that concerns me, and again, I have no knowledge in, of the process of either researching and creating and developing a vaccine or administering it over long term. Um, but one thing that that uh, just in my layman's mind uh, concerns me is that we don't have any long term information. I mean, we may right. not see any adverse effects in you know six months, but are we going to see them in six years? Is there any reason to worry about that, Doctor Sell? I don't say uh, there's a reason to worry about it. I think there's a reason to be thoughtful about it. Uh, you know, America is the home of the free and the home of the brave. So we, we do have freedom of choice, but sometimes we have to be brave enough to accept the fact that we don't, don't know everything. Right. And we have to make decisions based on what we know now and go ahead with uh, believing uh, people who are validated experts and a process that has had innumerable checks and balances. So I do think that we do need to keep an eye on it. Uh, we don't know what the long-term side effects of this will be. We don't know how long it's going to give immunity for. We have predictive models that say that it could be uh, a lifetime, uh, but we don't know that. Uh, we don't know if the virus is going to mutate. And we're already seeing mutations in the United Kingdom. I think we're up to our 17th clinically uh, validated mutation now since in a year. Uh, so we don't know if this virus is going to, you know, change to the point where it becomes like a seasonal virus and we need to get booster shots every every year, every two years when it changes. We don't know a lot of things about it. But if we don't begin the process, we're not going to know. And it's also so, so important, and I can't stress this enough to you and, and your wonderful listeners, uh, is that if we don't get to population immunity, where we have sufficient numbers of people being inoculated, vaccinated in a reasonably short period of time and get the population immunity, that's one of the quickest paths for the virus to develop resistance to the vaccine. Uh, they are, every scientist you talk with who's a virologist or a vaccinologist, believe it or not, that's a term, 
<laughs> they say, yeah, the viruses can learn. And, you know, that great movie, Jurassic Park, nature will find a way. Is yeah. Very, very true, uh, you know, truism of nature. Darwin uh, said it a different way. But if we don't do it very quickly, and if we're not patriotic about the fact that we really have to come out of this, uh, all of these problems we're seeing because of uh, a reaction by the part of governments and businesses and uh, others to the to the pandemic may just continue. And that would be devastating, wouldn't it? It would be absolutely devastating. It's already devastated enough. I think just, you know, there's so many ways to look at it and almost every one of them are devastating. But uh, one of the things we know about the vaccine is that there are several different manufacturers. Are these all the same product, basically, or are there differences among these different manufacturers of the vaccine? Well, yes, there are there are differences. Uh, And, for example, the Moderna product, which will be coming out next, uh, has a different storage requirement, a little bit easier storage requirement uh, than the Pfizer, which came out first. Uh, the Moderna product needs to be, uh, you need to get your second dose of it 28 days after the first dose, where the Pfizer product, you need to get it 21 days. Uh, and that is a function of, I think, primarily the way that the studies were set up, rather than some magical difference between 21 and 28. We're not playing blackjack here. We're, we're talking scientists. And there's a reason for that time period. That sec is with the first dose of these two types of vaccines, you get about 58% of the immunologic response uh, with the first dose. And then when you go, it takes about two to three weeks for your immunologic system to get into high gear. It's sort of like revving up the car here to get into high gear and blast off. Uh, and then after about three weeks, you give it a second dose and you move up to that amazing 90 five or so percent uh, immunologic competence that you see. The other vaccines coming on, they use little bits of different technology. There are over, I believe, nine leading candidates in the Western world. And then we have some other vaccines coming out of China and Russia, uh, which are being used in, in their countries and in some other countries throughout the world. They all have a little bit of technology, but fundamentally, they do the same thing. Uh, they do the same thing because what they do is they prompt your body to recognize a an element uh, of the virus, not the virus itself. None of them are attenuated, weakened virus or virus that have been smashed up into pieces. They are segments of the virus uh, uh, portion of their portion of the, their their spike or their messenger RNA. Uh, and they trick your body into developing an immunologic response. So they're fundamentally the same thing or do the same thing, but they are fundamentally different in how they approach it. And I, I tell you what, you know, the other thing that scientists look at, look at is the consistency of data and results across a range of trials. And what we're seeing is very encouraging, maybe, that we're seeing that whether you look at the Moderna, the Johnson & Johnson, the AstraZeneca, the Pfizer, uh, which was the first one out, and bless them for working hard as they did. Uh, there's consistency in the data, in the immunologic response, in the side effect profiles, in the tolerability of these vaccines. So we're not just getting data on 30,000 people that Pfizer looked at. We're getting data on 30 to 40,000 people that Pfizer, J&J, AstraZeneca, Moderna have, are looking at. And it's all consistent data. 
that's a lot of data. It's a lot of data, and it's very encouraging. I do want to talk a little bit about the side effects that have been reported. You know, we've sure. uh, very... Um, uh, loudly uh, heard about these side effects, which seem to be allergic reactions, very small percentage of the population. In fact, it might almost be minuscule, Dr. Sal, but they seem to be serious. Tell us what's going on with that. Well, uh, yeah, from the medical standpoint, any any reaction is serious. Uh, but I think from the, the, there was one gentleman, a 60-year-old gentleman, hospital worker, uh, who said that it's an annoyance compared to being dead. It's just an annoyance. <laughs> there you go. And I think, you know, that's a very perspective. These <laughs> allergic reactions, we're learning a little bit more about them. Out of 270-some-odd thousand people who got the first set of doses where allergic-type reactions were seen, there were six individuals. So that comes out to, a, because I'm a science nerd, I worked out the numbers, it comes out to a 0. 0.00 three percent incidence mm. of the reaction you wouldn't see that in 30 or 40 or 50,000 people so they're looking now at what has caused it initially it said well anybody who's had an allergy to any kind of food or peanut or this or that needed to be very uh, cautious but they're also finding that there are some people who have had allergic reactions to one of the components of the vaccine uh, and those people uh, are much more susceptible to having this allergy that comes out in 1.0003% of the population. And what and it's a very simple thing from a medical standpoint, certainly not if you're the patient, to manage. Uh, they occur within 15 minutes of people who might have nonspecific food allergies. And we're not talking about pollen allergies here. We're talking about different category of allergens. Uh, and within 30 minutes, if you have had an allergic reaction to one of the components of the vaccine, so the wisest thing is if you get vaccinated, uh, you just sit there for 15 minutes or 30 minutes and you wait and you see. Uh, it's not the most serious type of allergic reaction, anaphylaxis, where your throat closes, your nose closes, your heart rate shoots up, your blood pressure shoots up, uh, and it's very serious life-threatening. In fact, these are what we call technically anaphylactoid or anaphylactic-like reactions where you might get some swelling of the throat, where you might get some increase in blood pressure, but not to the point of being life-threatening. And that's easily controlled with antihistamines, corticosteroids, maybe an asthma medicine, uh, lots of very commonly used things, very common and easy to manage. So the bottom line here is FDA and CDC and any practitioner who's worth their salt will keep those emergency supplies on hand at the local CBS or Walgreens or in a local doctor's office, the local hospital. They'll have them right on hand. So if somebody does have one of these allergic reactions, you zap them with the, with the preventative, and then they go on their merry way. We don't have uh, you for very long, unfortunately, so we're going to have to change topics a little bit. But before we walk away sure. from the vaccine topic, uh, w- would you say um, unequivocally that you're comfortable, this vaccine is safe, and it works, and you personally will take it and will recommend it to others. Oh, totally. My wife is uh, in the category of 1B, and I'm in the category of 1C because she's a little older than I, but don't tell her I said that <laughs> to the entire listening audience here. But but we're going to be right in line to get it. Our son is a physician. He's already gotten it. Uh, absolutely. Let's talk about the uh, the disease itself, the, the virus itself. Does it affect yes. genders differently, Dr. Sal? 
yes, men seem to be more susceptible to more severe infections. And while the, the infection rate in men and women are about the same, the mortality, the death rate uh, in men is higher. And that's not just seen in the United States, that's seen across the globe. Men in general have different immunologic systems than do women. They tend to mount an immunologic response a little bit more uh, slowly than women. Uh, so there is, uh, you know, and it's, it's kind of specific to certain things. But what we're seeing epidemiologically when you count the this is and that's of a disease condition across different populations and regions, when you look at the epidemiology of what the mortality is, guys are taking it on the chin. So it's very, very important for the guys to get vaccinated and and bring their families, especially their boys, uh, when they're over 16 years of age, to being vaccinated. Uh, very important. We don't know exactly why, but it is definitely an effect that we see across the globe. Uh, we've heard um, about a new strain, uh, particularly in the UK. I think you just mentioned a few minutes ago that there have been many new strains uh, during the the time that we've been able to study this particular virus. Is this new strain or another new strain or a continually evolving um, virus something to be concerned about as well? And does the vaccine work on this new strain that, as far as we know? We have to be vigilant about it. You know, I don't want to get into the worry channel syndrome here uh, where we worry. We have to be vigilant. The strains, the mutations that we've seen thus far are doing what a uh, a, a survival mode mutation, if you will, mm-hmm. that they're becoming more easily spread, so more easily transmitted, but they are not any more lethal. Because what does a virus want to do? A virus is, exists just solely to replicate and to live. Right. So if you kill your host... It's not a good thing. You can't replicate. You can't live. You can't pass it on, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what we are hoping, and so far, J.B., what we are seeing is that the virus is becoming more easily transmittable, because that's what it wants to do. Sure. And it's not becoming any more lethal to its host. Having said that, you know, this virus behaves a little bit differently than many of the viruses that I'm aware of. Now, I'm not a virologist, but I do keep a current on these things. Uh, it affects multiple systems, brain, heart, uh, blood system, kidneys, liver. We're seeing people who've had the COVID virus that have even some mental uh, clarity problems months after they've been exposed or had a, a presumed uh, viral uh, infection. So there's something unusual about the, what this virus does in the number of body parts that it impacts. But uh, we, we're not seeing anything different in the current mutation in the United Kingdom than we're seeing here. Will the vaccine work? So far, the answer is yes. Uh, Will the vaccine work if it mutates in different directions? The answer is, well, we don't know. But what we do know is that we know so much more now because of the huge global effort to study the vaccine uh, that we know an awful lot more about the way to attack the the virus. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, attack the virus uh, so that uh, many are confident, and I hope this is a sure confidence, that when the virus mutates this way, that way, the other way, we can create rather quickly a new vaccine to uh, manage that. And that's something we already know. We all understand, I think, 
most of us understand that the flu virus, the seasonal flu viruses that we're exposed to are a little bit different every year, and they have to create a new vaccine uh, to a new vaccine uh, blend to meet the needs of the seasonal flu viruses, mutations, and variants that we see. So it's going, it may be that that's the scenario that we're going to find ourselves into. Because one thing, uh, you know, folks have to understand is once the virus is here, it is here. It's not just going to magically disappear. Right. Uh, and we're seeing some of these odd strains popping up now in animals. So we don't know uh, what we'll see when it goes into animals. Uh, we heard the stories about the mink in the Scandinavian country, millions of minks destroyed because they had a mutation virus and some minks in, in the United States were found. We don't know what else. So once it goes into the animal, we don't know where it's going to go. Uh, so it could be dormant for many years. But here again, we have tremendous knowledge that we've garnered in a very short period of time. I'm going to uh, one more quick question. Then I want to um, give you a second to tell us what the Men's Health Network is. But the quick question is, one of the vulnerabilities that's been revealed during this process in this last year is that the U.S., uh, is doesn't seem to be in control of its own healthcare destiny because we aren't making medications here. We aren't making uh, we weren't making PPE here that we needed. There's there there are real vulnerabilities. What have you seen in that regard? And 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 should we be uh, sounding some cautionary alarms on this? I think we need to be sounding cautionary alarms on this for sure. Men's Health Network has gone on record as saying that we're very concerned about the integrity of the uh, drug supply and the medical product supply into the United States. We believe that the supply chain needs to rely on, uh, you know, sources that are both regulatorily sound and come from sources in countries that are friendly to the United States, both economically and geopolitically. I think that this is a problem. I know that this is a problem that's evolved over the past 25 some odd years, and we're not going to fix it right away. It's not just the the problem with the dosage forms that you swallow or inject. It's a problem with the intermediary products that go into making these dosage forms. So we also not only have to make sure that the supply chain has integrity from highly regulated countries uh, uh, and uses uh, component parts that also come from highly regulated countries. So this is a very big problem. Uh, it's going to take one of my buddies who's an analyst in this area Tells me it's going to take 10 years to fix at minimum. So tell us about the Men's Health Network in, in the couple minutes we have left here, Dr. Sell. What's it all about? Men's Health Network is 25 years old. It's a not-for-profit organization that is an advocate organization and an educational organization that looks to help men get better health and better health care where they live, work, play, and pray. Uh, we uh, have a lot of information about conditions that affect boys and men, everything from mental health, which is also, by the way, a problem associated with the COVID vaccine, similar to what many of us feel is PTSD. It's COVID traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and that can be found on our website at www.menshealthnetwork.org, www.menshealthnetwork.org. Well, thank you so much for sharing this information for us. I think that you would say, and I, I would have to agree with you, and I don't want me to put words in your mouth, but we do have a light at the end of the tunnel here. Yeah, I've used that phrase many, many times. Uh, and I think one of the 
best Christmas or holiday gifts, whatever holiday you're, you're celebrating this time of year, is the fact that you need to be very careful, uh, socially distance, wear masks, wash hands, be care- careful, but bring some joy into your life. Uh, so we are at the end of the tunnel, but not if people, sufficient numbers of people don't get vaccinated. All right. Dr. Sell, thanks for being here. Really appreciate your time and your insight, and uh, thank you for all you've done. I'd be happy to be back anytime, J.B. It's a very important thing, and anytime I can bring clarity, that's what I feel passionate about. We'll take you up on that. Once again, uh, Dr. Sell, and his group is the uh, Men's Health Network. You can get more information at menshealthnetwork.org. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have our second guest of the evening. David Weiss will be with us tonight. David is a truth seeker. We're going to be talking about the greatest deception of all time. That's next on Beyond Reality. Looking for our guest's book? Go to Amazon.com slash shop slash JVJTaps. Our next guest, David Weiss, is a successful businessman who actually walked away from his very successful company to pursue spreading the truth about our world. He's the host of the Flat Earth podcast and creator of the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. David, welcome to Beyond Reality. I'm really anxious to have this conversation. Thank you for being here tonight. Thanks, JV. I'm really excited to talk to you about it, and uh, there's so much to unwrap. Hopefully, we have enough time to unwrap some of it. Let's start at the end here for a second. Tell me what the app is all about. What's, what's this app that you've created? So it's the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. The reason it was created, one, is to show people how the Flat Earth works, because everybody has a misconception of what the Flat Earth is. They hate Flat Earth because they think it's something really stupid. They've Googled Flat Earth, and they've ended up at the Flat Earth Society, which is a disinformation site. None of us believe anything on that site. So then if you Google you know, for Flat Earth on YouTube, you get all propaganda videos. You get deceptive videos from Nat Geo and other places. Um, so what the app does is it shows you how it works. It brings you to all of the good videos that I'll let you make up your mind for yourself rather than control your mind. It answers all of your questions. It does so much more. Um, it's an amazing app. And the, luckily, it's enough to support me. It's $2.99. And uh, you get a new video every day. And I tell people, take the Flat Earth App Challenge every day. Uh, click on the featured video, short videos during the week, long ones on the, longer ones on the weekend. And after two weeks, um, they will know that they don't live on a spinning rock water ball cartoon flying through an infinite vacuum. Um, and what happens is people say, hey, I, I listened to you on a JV show, and I bought your stupid app for $2.99, <laughs> and I took the challenge, but I didn't want to wait uh, every day for a video, so I hit the archive button, and I haven't slept in two days. Oh, my God, the earth is flat. What do I do now? And I say, welcome to Flat Earth. Okay, so you have so much you need to clarify for us here, just from that particular answer. Let's back up to what you said about, I think you said, the Flat Earth Society is a misinformation campaign or a disinformation campaign. Are you saying there are people that are posing as Flat Earthers or at least using names that would make you think that's what they're about, drawing you in and then what, flooding you with absurdities or trying to change the conversation altogether? What do they do? All of that, they, exactly. The Flat Earth Society says silly things like, you know, the, if you Google uh, images of Flat Earth, you know, it'll show you a disk floating in space. None of us think that. And the Flat Earth Society, it says, Flat Earthers believe that gravity is caused by the Flat Earth rising at 9.8 meters per second. Nobody believes that. that, that nonsense like that. It's a place where if you go there and look around, you will never look at Flat Earth again um, because it, it just 
puts out absurdities. And then on top of that, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of just disinformation, bad information, flat earth videos going up on YouTube every single day. Um, and it, they've created a mud puddle where you can't find anything um, where five, six years ago you used to be able to find stuff. If you Google um, specific flat earth information, you won't find it you, you know, on YouTube. You might come across one or two good videos, but what the app does is it beats the algorithm and it's a really cool looking app, fun to use. And when you look at it, you're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to, I'm going to gift it to you after the show and you're going to take the flat earth app challenge. And in two weeks, you're going to have me on and you're going to change the name to your, of your show. There's <laughs> something to do with flat earth. I'm pretty sure. All right. That's a deal. Um, I, I'm not sure where to go with this next, but let's start with you. How did this topic become something that you have, as you, uh, the introduction said, you left a successful business to spread the word about this. Plus, you're clearly very passionate about it. How'd that start for you? Well, I'm passionate because once you see the globe deception, it's hard to believe that you ever believed it. Um, you know, if you understand what the heliocentric model, which I call the helio nonsensical model is, once you realize what it is, it's so absurd, you wonder how you ever believed it. So um, I used to do a podcast uh, which was called Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, and people started sending me a video. It's like, hey, this is six, six years ago. Uh, have you looked into the flat earth? And I would do as any smart person would do, delete. And if they <laughs> did it again, I would ban them from my social media. But then another trusted researcher said, hey, David, you have to look at this. And I watched Mark Sargent's flat earth clues that were coming out at the time, mm -hmm. and I said, Wow, I have to, I, I'm, I, I need to just debunk this. I need to prove the globe and get this nonsense over with. And I spent two weeks, all day, all night, every day, barely slept. And after two weeks, I was like, wow, I cannot prove the globe. And, you know, when I start, and everyone is listening now that hasn't heard of Flat Earth, they're like, there's a million proofs of the globe, and there's none of Flat Earth. Nothing could be more opposite than that. There's, thousands of proofs of flat earth and there are zero proofs of the globe zero and we can go over that and i'll unwrap it and and explain what it is as we go but go ahead yeah no we're gonna have to get into some of those weeds um but before we do let's talk about what you uh indicated a few minutes ago somebody who on this program i've had mark Sargent on this show i've had uh, was it patricia steer steel uh, what's what was yeah Patricia Steer. I've had her on the program. I've had others that have talked about this particular topic. And it, it was yep. it was curious to me because it was around the time I'd had a couple of those guests on. YouTube sent out a letter to all its content creators, an email. And in the, in the, in the email, it said it was going to start um, to, uh, uh, I don't know, reduce the number of recommendations for videos and reduce the access for videos that uh, they deemed to be presenting misinformation. And they listed a bunch of things. And one of the things they listed was flat earth. Um, yeah. Which I find, I find completely ridiculous that any platform would be so concerned about its position or its beliefs that it would have to ban anything that would disagree with them. But regardless of that, I do know firsthand, it can be difficult to get this message out in our digital age are you seeing the same thing? Is it permeating not just YouTube, but Google, which is, owns YouTube, and also social media? And how do, you, how do people circumvent this? Obviously, your app is one of those options. Yeah, JV, they, when, they, when, um, when Facebook and YouTube were uh, at Congress, congressional hearings about what they're going to do to uh, you know, prevent uh, conspiracy theories, they specifically mentioned Flat Earth in the hearing. So 
that's crazy. You can look up Bigfoot and aliens and yeah, right, whatever you want. It's right, all there. Right. But you can't you can't look up Flat Earth. Um, if Flat Earth was PSYOP, as many people say, or if, if Flat Earth was just nonsense, it would have been gone long ago. But no scientist is willing to step up and have a rational discussion with us. Yes, people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Lye, the lying guy with the bow tie, will come out and make ridiculous statements, but they will never talk to any one of us. Because if they talk to us, their entire model is destroyed. Well, and that's the thing that concerns me the most about this discussion. I'm not sure where I fall on this particular topic. I'm still leaning globe, but you, you've you got a, a challenge here now, and you're going to try to convince me. So we're going to go through this sure. process. However, even if you, know, if, if you were one of the executives at any of these companies that are deciding what should be censored and what should not be censored, uh, it seems to me that if you were resolute in your beliefs, you wouldn't care if there were people out there talking about flat earth or not, it really doesn't affect them. So it seems to me they might be afraid of something. Yes. Well, let's see. That's the problem right there is people say, well, what, what difference does flat earth make? People that have no idea what's going on, think they live on a spinning ball. Um, they're like, well, what difference does it make? I still have to go to work in the morning. And uh, the people that are at the top of the pyramid, the people that know what's going on in this world, they know that the globe lie is the most important lie that they keep in place. Because once you see through the globe lie, you see through their entire power structure. You see through their way they're mind-controlling you, the government, to govern your mind. Govern is control the mind, meant. And so the, the flat earth... Um, Hiding the flat earth and it pushing the globe lie is how they control your mind. Because if you, if you think that you are lost in space, spinning out of control on an infinite speck that happened when nothing exploded, created everything, lightning struck, uh, created an amoeba, which is impossible, that amoeba turned into a fish that grew legs, that found another fish that grew legs, that had a monkey that turned into a human, you, you will believe anything. You will, you, know, you will believe insanity. And that's how this world got into this. Um, mess that it's in right now because people are lost in space. Um, you, you touched on it, the evolution theory here as part of this greater discussion, and I have my own problems with that particular discussion um, that I'd love to get into. I don't think we're going to have time to get into that one specifically, but I want to present the idea that, you know, we've just been talking about Google and YouTube blocking this information they must be part of this conspiracy in some fashion or are they just duped which is which um, is the high, are they duped? Yeah, good, good good question the higher ups you know google facebook um all of these big companies they are run by the controllers at the top they know okay. um, maybe at the beginning you know some of the executives didn't know but the people at the top they they know okay this is Good. I just want to. I'm just trying to take this down a certain path here. So, if the executives at Google, YouTube, some of these other companies that are controlling the information, if they're in on this, um, you know, this this is the, the globe theory has been the the prevailing theory for you know centuries, a couple of centuries anyway. I don't know, maybe four, three or four centuries. Well, I mean, nope. okay. Well, then, nope. then then clarify it for me. Go ahead. Yeah, let me unwind that. Um, everyone says, we've known for 500 years Aristophanes did his Sticks and Shadows experiment in Greece. And uh, that, by the way, that, that Sticks and Shadows experiment works perfectly on a flat earth. Uh, it takes longer to explain. But um, in January of this year, I interviewed a woman uh, named Ruth, who's 102 years old. I was talking to her about the World's Fairs, and she was telling me a story about her fifth birthday party. And she knew all the details. And I, and I, I thought of something. I said, do you remember what school you went to? 
in elementary school, knew the school, the teacher, knew some of the students in the class. She remembered everything, more than I can remember. And uh, I, I said, what did they teach you in science class about the Earth? And I had never mentioned flat Earth. She looked me in the eye. She goes, they taught me the Earth was flat, but then they changed it. We found another woman from Croatia who, who went to elementary school in the 1930s, and she said the same thing, that everyone in Croatia knew the Earth was flat. So... Um, Everyone in America was taught the Earth was flat in the early 1900s. They changed it in the early 1900s, and then we went into the wars, World War One, World War Two, the Depression, everything, and that's when they changed history. They have changed history, and they've inserted the story of Aristophanes in, with Sticks and Shadows from 500 years ago. That was inserted into the Rockefeller textbooks in the 1980s. It's a made-up story, and people take it as real. And, and that's like the number one global proof is a story that nobody can prove existed before 1980. So, David, what you're telling us right now is that the the concept of a spherical Earth spinning th- around the sun through space is a construct that is less than a century old? Just about a century old right now, yes. Have you had an opportunity to go back and look at textbooks, say, from the mid-19th century, if they exist? I have no idea, but I would imagine there's got to be something that might reference reference some of this. Every civilization uh, before us was flat Earth. If you look, they're all flat Earth cosmology-based. It wasn't until the religion of NASA came uh, that the heliocentric model was forced upon us. I mean, we found um, articles on microfilm from newspapers from the early 1900s about teachers um, that are being persecuted for trying to teach heliocentrism. You know, the heliocentric model is impossible. It doesn't work. Think about this. The sky is a perfect clock. That's why I have the flat earth clock. Um, Where the stars and the planets and everything, and the planets, we can get into that, all circle around like like the wheels on a clock perfectly. Here's the problem. Um, you know, we're told that we're in an orbit around the sun, the moon's in an orbit around us, um, the other planets are in orbits around the sun, they have moons orbiting around them. NASA has a problem, and, and science has a problem, it's called the three-body problem. You can take a supercomputer, you could say, hey, i got a ball this big that has this much gravity, and I have a ball this big that has this much gravity, and you can put them in orbit around each other, and the model works beautifully. It'll go for 100 years, and it'll be predictable and make perfect sense. You add a third body, a little moon, another planet, anything, orbiting one of those, and the entire model falls apart. The computer just becomes a beehive heading in all different directions, and nothing is predictable. Well, everything in our sky is predictable. There's like 80 bodies, or give or take, in our solar system alone, and they all have gravity working around the sun, and they're lining up. Like right now, they're all lined up in our sky. We're having the great conjunction, and none of them are tugging on each other, moving things out of place at all. You go out tonight and look at the stars in the sky, go out in a year from now or 10 years from now on the same time, on the same night, and all of those stars are in the exact same position, even though we've spun, twirled, and rocketed following the sun at a half a million miles an hour, and we're billions of miles where we were before, but everything in the sky remains the same. That's impossible. We're stationary, and everything we see in the sky is within the Earth system and rotates above us. That's powerful stuff, David. It's powerful stuff. Um, You uh, must have somebody uh, that would come at that argument from a different perspective. What is the, what does the other side say about what you just said? JV, they have got nothing. Their arguments are so lame. It's unbelievable. When I go on these shows, they, and, and you're a very neutral guy, but I go on shows that think flat earth is the dumbest thing in the world. 
I do not even prepare because there's no argument. They have nothing. The excuses that they have, you wouldn't even believe some of the excuses. But the, the thing is, it, it's nothing makes sense in the helio nonsensical model. It, it's, it's absurdity. You know, but the, the thing is, to, to learn about flat earth, it's a, the, the globe has a big, a big advantage over flat earth. It's a lot easy to just go, I believe. Now you can go take a nap. Right? If you want to learn, you've got to take time. I've been studying this all the time, six years. I will not stop, and I learn new stuff every day. But um, it's not something that you could just go, all right, I believe it. I mean, you could, but that doesn't, that's no better than you were before. You have to look and verify. I could point to a lot of doors, but you've got to take the time and look. Um, something that's hard to do on a radio show is like, well, how does the sun set over the ocean if the earth is flat? Um, how does day and night work? How do seasons work? How, what about other space agencies? If NASA's a fraud, the other ones would have to be a fraud. All of that stuff is answered in the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app. All of it's answered in there, but I could try to answer any questions you have right now. Yeah, let's start talking about some of these points that are brought up during this discussion often. And you've mentioned a few of them already. Let's talk about ships over the horizon. That you know, when you're watching the horizon, you watch a ship sail away from you, uh, it tends to disappear o- over the horizon. And people say, well, that proves right there that there's a curvature. That's why it's disappearing. What say you? So if the Earth was a ball, yes, ships would disappear over that physical curvature. But that's not what happens at all. If you're standing at the edge of a calm sea, um, the the Earth is 70% water. Water at rest lays flat. It doesn't curve. And there would be a horizon, a six-foot-tall person, according to globe mass, um, the horizon would be just three miles away, and then you, the surface of the water would drop behind the physical horizon of that water, and you wouldn't be able to see it anymore. But the problem is we can see way farther than that. Our cameras with our, uh, with our new um, uh, infrared lenses can see hundreds of miles where there's thousands of feet of curvature, and we can see things. So when a boat moves away, it has to do with the angular resolution limits of your eyes. It also has to do with the mist and the thickness of the atmosphere over the water and miraging when that horizon rises to eye level. It creates a little bit of a mirage. But what happens is a boat will look like it disappears. You see an empty horizon, but then you get a super zoom camera, a P900, Nikon P900 or P1000 camera. You zoom in, and that boat that, would di- that looked like it went over the horizon reappears again. That proves that it's not behind something physical, that it's just gone beyond the limits of your eyes to see, right? And, and that's, that's over the water. We did an experiment in a Home Depot on their perfectly smooth cement floor. We took a red brick. We put an iPhone down on the ground with the camera on the lower part, put a red brick right in front of it. It blocked the whole camera. Then we dragged the brick away, and the brick, due to perspective, got smaller and smaller and smaller. And at about 50 yards or you know, pretty far down the hallway, it disappeared. You couldn't see it. You lift the phone up a little bit. Oh, there's the brick. You put it back down. The brick is gone. If I stack three more bricks on top of it, the the camera would not be able to see the bottom brick, but it would see the top three bricks. If I dragged it farther away, the second brick would disappear. Things disappear from the bottom up because the bottom has the lowest angle to your eyes. It's a lot to take in, but things disappear from the bottom up for several reasons, not because of curvature. We had a, a comment floating through our chat room here that, it, that that's important kind of uh, germane to what we're talking about now. What about the concept that gravity bends the light? Is there any truth to that? Absolutely not. That's, that's their, you know, when we, um, we took a camera at a foot 
off the ground. Now, a foot off the ground, according to Globe Map, the horizon should be like 1.9 miles away. We'll call it two miles. Mm-hmm. And we zoomed out, and there's oil rigs out there at known distances. Not a boat where you could say, well, he was closer, he was farther. No, no, no. We know how far that oil rig is. We know how far that wind turbine is. You know, 10, 15, 20 miles. And if you do the curvature calculation, um, there should be ten, there should be tens or hundreds of feet um, of curvature, depending on the distance there. But not only can we see the oil rigs, we can see the water surface beyond the water rig, the oil rigs. We can see it from miles beyond the rig. So they would have to say that um, because of bendy light, you know, like bendy water, mm-hmm. it it's miraging the surface of the water up just to eye level, just to the height of the water, and not higher. Like. If, if water, if, if the light bent the water up, it would maybe go higher, but it's just, it always lines up perfectly with where the horizon should be. I mean, if the earth was flat. So the whole bending of light thing is ridiculous. Now, light does bend when you go through water or something, but when you're looking, there was a famous picture Joshua Nowicki took of, um, the Michigan across, uh, it was um, Chicago across Lake Michigan. Right. And he said, the, the, the reporter said, it, it's a mirage. Well, we can see the city clear as day. It wasn't a wavy, wobbling mirage. And some of the flat earthers went down there um, on a day where you can see it, got in a boat, put a camera on it, and took off towards it and went across and kept it in view the whole way. If it was a mirage, it would have disappeared at some point. That's right. Um, but it didn't. And then we, we've also done time lapses for, you know, day and night. And we could see it. It would come and go, but it doesn't. So there, there's a lot to it. Then there, there's one famous footage of um, a bay where we uh, did a time lapse across the water. And the, you could see the beach and the buildings beyond it. But just depending on the temperature of the day, the buildings disappeared and the beach disappeared. It came and it went. And sometimes you're looking at it it's like, oh, those buildings must be behind the curvature. Nope, they're there. It's just the optics, you know, looking through the air and the way your eyes work. Dad. Yep, it's okay. We're talking with David Weiss tonight. He's a truth seeker, host of the podcast, uh, and you can find information about it at the flatearthpodcast.com. David, where's the podcast available? The podcast is available on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, just any podcast player on your phone. Just put in the Flat Earth Podcast. And if you don't want to take the Flat Earth Clock app challenge, take the Flat Earth Podcast challenge. Listen to the first 10 episodes. Start from the beginning, and guaranteed, you too will lose the respect of your family and friends. You'll become a flat earther. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, one of the, another one of these ideas that is constantly discussed when an, an effort to disprove this idea is brought up. But what about the setting sun? We all can look in the horizon and see the sun, quote-unquote, set, and we can see it rise uh, the next morning. What are we actually seeing here if it's not a uh, revolving globe um, that's doing the trick? Yeah, so now, remember how we were talking about the boats disappear into the distance, and then you could zoom in and increase their angular size and see them again? Well, there's also what I call the atmospheric deck. That's where the, when you see a, a deck of clouds, and if you look across the water, those clouds that are five, ten thousand 10,000 feet above your head or whatever height they are, at 20, 30 miles away, 40 miles away, they literally merge with the water the way your eyes work. So that looks like, and it looks like they're at eye level, not way over your head, but you know that they are. It's just perspective that brings them together. The sun is a celestial object. The boat is a terrestrial object. The sun is above those clouds. So if you, like, if you put a, a hold a book in front of you, blocking your vision, and raise it a little bit above your eye level, and just call that the cloud deck, and if you took a ball and just pushed it past that, 
it would it would look to set from the bottom up, and that's exactly what's happening um, on the app and the, under the frequently asked questions page. There's a button that says "What about sunsets?" Uh, there's 50 videos in there that explain that, show it, show scientific examples. They show we, we show you how it's done, we explain it, we um, we do all the we all do all the testable, repeatable, observable science. Unlike uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson and the other Bill Lyer. The lie, the lying guy. Um, they don't do science. They do pseudoscience. They just make claims, or they go, "Look, since I can take this little boat and drag it over a ball and it disappears from the bottom up, therefore the Earth is a ball." Well, that's that's ridiculous. If um, we're honest here, uh, last week was it a couple days ago, maybe I don't even remember what day it was. We got two feet of snow here. We don't get two feet of snow in July. But in upstate New York, we get two feet of snow in December because something's changing. The seasons is another one of these ideas that people bring to this conversation. How do we explain yeah. the changing seasons on the globe or on the earth <laughs> um, yeah. under under flat earth uh, model? So once you understand how seasons work, you understand that seasons prove the flat earth and they eliminate the globe as a possibility. Uh, we're told that the sun is 93 million miles away. So if you have a distant sun 93 million miles away, all of those sun rays are going to hit all of the Earth at parallel, um, just like science says, science, with quotation marks, with, and I mean scientism. Um, they, they hit it all parallel. So the difference between, you know, we're supposedly, when we're tilted away from the sun, uh, that, that means that, so that we get less sun, you know, the, the right. sun is less concentrated. That's how they explain the seasons. Well, that's like point zero 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 one difference in distance, you know, from the sun. So the, the the heat from the sun travels all that distance, and then that tiny little fraction of a difference makes the difference between, you know, too hot to go outside or water freezing solid. Um, in reality, on the flat Earth, the sun and the moon are within the Earth system. They're small. Um, think of the Earth like this. You know, a puddle um, is where water. Um, congregates at the low point in the ground after a rain, right? So they have a puddle. Mm-hmm. Now think of a pond. A pond is the same thing. It's just bigger, and the, the shoreline that surrounds the pond is the land that's higher than that water surface. And if there is some bumps of land inside the pond that are higher than the water surface, now you have islands. Now expand that even bigger and bigger and bigger, and think of all of the oceans of the world as a pond. And all of the bumps that are sticking out in between in the middle are all of the continents. Okay, and that the shoreline is that surrounds the pond is the land that we call Antarctica. We live in the Antarctic basin. Antarctica is the highest land on Earth. If you got on a boat and went anywhere, went to Canada, went to the United States, went Florida, wherever, the Caribbean, and when you get there, you basically step off the boat and walk away. When you get to Antarctica, you got to climb up 200 feet higher just to get to the shoreline. Okay, Antarctica is the highest land on Earth. We live within the Antarctic basin. Okay, so what's beyond Antarctica? Whole nother discussion. We can go there next if you want. But the sun and the moon uh, circle around the Earth, close to the Earth, and they oscillate in between the Tropic of Cancer, which is a smaller circle that's over the inner northern lands, and then it migrates outwards past the equator to the bigger circle, which is the Tropic of Capricorn, which is over the outer southern lands. Right now, today, it's at its outermost journey. Today, it's directly over the Tropic of Capricorn and all of those outer lands, Australia, South America, 
are in the heat of their summer. You know why? Not because the, the earth is tilted, because the sun is closer to them and higher in the sky. Six months from now, the sun's going to be all the way on its inner circle, and it's going to be higher over our sky because it's closer to us. Like if an airplane went over your head, directly over your head, you've got to look straight up at it. But if the airplane was 20 miles off to your right at the same altitude, you don't have to look up. You have to look across. That's why the sun today is low in the sky for us in the inner northern uh, world, and it's high in the sky in the outer southern world. So it has to do with where the light is, not the angle that the light is coming in. And another solid proof that it's not the tilt of the earth, on June 21st, here in the inner north, which is the height of our summer, if you go and watch the sun when the, in the morning, it just shows up on the horizon. You can close your eyes and feel that heat on your face. It's blasting on your face. And within a couple minutes, it's really, really warm. Well, on December 21st, today, as a matter of fact, um, at the highest point of the day, when the sun is at its highest point for that day, you can look at the sun and barely feel the heat on your face. And that's like a, a, a straight shot down. Um, not a straight shot. It's like it's it's a much less severe angle. That there alone proves that the tilt of the Earth has nothing to do with the seasons. What uh, you you broached the the topic, so I don't want to walk away with it without giving you a minute anyway to to mention it. But what it would be on the other side of the Antarctic wall, if you will, that uh, surrounds this uh, flat Earth model? What's on the other side, and what's on the other side of? And am I right to assume that we're kind of talking about like a pancake here? What's on the other side of the pancake? Absolutely not. All right, the two questions, we'll answer the Antarctica one first. So in Antarctica, in 1957, um, they started the Antarctic Treaty, where in 1957, before environmentalism was a word, all the nations and the United Nations signed a treaty that said nobody can go to Antarctica uh, uh, and explore it um, unrestricted, nobody, because we have to protect the penguins and we can't drop a cigarette butt on this pristine ice. We have to right. keep it you know, pristine. Right. But meanwhile, you can deforest the Amazon and plant palm oil trees and do whatever else you want. Um, that doesn't matter. So, and, and you can't even question the treaty until the year 2041. Think about that. You can't even question the treaty. With all the wars and all of the stuff that's happened, all of these countries have agreed not to even question the treaty until the year 2041. So what's out there? Um, anything beyond the shoreline of Antarctica is speculation. You know, it goes for hundreds of miles, and then there's a mountain range. Maybe there's a dome. That's where a dome connects. We don't know. Um, it's speculating. Um, the other question was, what, what was the second question? Well, I mean, if we're looking at this as a flat Earth, what's on the oh, yeah. other side? I mean, maybe a pancake is a bad way to describe it. But if, if it's a flat surface, there's got to be something on the other side of that surface. So... The, the, way, the way I describe it is the Earth is the basement of the universe. I have no better way to explain it. Explain it. Um, and we are on the, the surface. What's suspending it? I don't know. You can look in the Bible. You, know, you can look at these other you know, legends and, and whatnot. There's all sorts of stuff. But here's the, the truth is the deepest hole ever dug is just short of eight miles. It's the Great Kola Borehole or something like that in Russia. Um, and at eight miles, they hit an impenetrable barrier. And they couldn't get through it. They tried drilling and blowing it up for years. They could not get through it. And the funny thing is, while they were digging, they used ground-penetrating radar and whatever technology they had to see what they were going to be digging into next. And they were wrong every step of the way, right? That's like drilling through the skin of an apple, barely getting through the skin, and saying you know what's at the core, okay? So nobody knows what's below eight miles. Maybe it's hell. I don't know. I have no idea what's down there. Um. Again, we start talking about the idea in order for this 
to be a hoax, in order for this globe idea to be a lie, a lot of people have to be in on it. What about people like pilots or even scientists that say, this is all garbage, why are we spending time talking about this? Because clearly the Earth is a globe in space. Um, you know, are those people in on the lie, or are they, again, fooled by what they're being told? A little, oh, well, mostly being fooled, but we have, um, again, on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app, what about pilots and scientists? Are they all in on it? Hit that button, and right. all the information is there. We've, we've interviewed uh, pilots and, uh, and scientists that have come out and admitted they know the Earth is a globe. There's so many pilot videos coming out now where they're showing the sun and the moon and how you know a flight from California to Germany, the sun never sets. That's impossible on a globe Earth. And uh, how, how, it, how the sun is circling around, um, they, there's the Qantas pilots admitted in their, they say that they talk about it openly in their lounge, but they don't talk about it publicly. On one of our shows, Globebusters, uh, they interviewed a pilot from a foreign airline, a woman pilot, and she immediately got grounded and lost her, lost her job pretty much, or lost her job. So there, you know, if you come out, if you're a pilot and you come out and say the earth is flat publicly, you've lost your career. Okay. And so people are, are, are very quiet about that. Um, you know, we've, we have, um, you know, scientists that have come out. We have um, uh, all, all sorts of people, you know, and Navy, Navy, uh, Navy captains. You know, think about this. In a submarine, if the Earth was curved, all a submarine would have to do is go sit on the ocean floor, and nobody would able, be able to see them with sonar. But sonar can find submarines hundreds of miles away, right? The Earth would curve away at 10 miles. There's 60 feet of curvature. They could hide behind that curvature. It never happens. Interesting. All right. So we talked about the sun. We've talked about the moon. But what about in the sense that if they are not what we have been told they are, what, in fact, are we seeing when we look up in the sky and we see the sun and we see the moon? What are they? If what are if, they? Yeah. What are they? <laughs> so that's a, that's how I start my day every day. I get up and I yell at the sky. What are they? What are they? <laughs> on the flat Earth and on the globe Earth, they're, they're a mystery. Um, you know, I believe that the sun and the moon that we see are, are, are projections of the real sun and moon that may be within the firmament, the dome, or above the dome. That's my belief. But again, as I said earlier, anything above our heads or outside of the shoreline of Antarctica is speculation. We don't know. Like, you don't know where I live. That doesn't mean I don't live where I live. You just don't know. So there's a lot we don't know. And also, by the way, you can't see my house right now. That doesn't mean it's hiding behind the curve. It just yeah. means that you can't see my house right now. It's too far away. Yeah. All right. So the big million-dollar question here is why? Why is, why? It, why is it important for this lie to be pe- perpetuated by the people who are perpetuating it? JV, that is the big question, and, and, and people throw up their hands when you knock down all of the proofs that they thought they had. And the truth is, if you think that you are living um, on, uh, that you're a random chance accident, that living on a speck, spinning out of control in an infinite vacuum, um, in an infinite godless or distant god universe, you have given away your God-given power. You've given away your true divinity. But then if you realize that you are at the center of creation, you are special, you are a powerful um, being having a physical experience on this earth plane, and that nobody can take that away from you unless you give them permission to, um, you take your power back and the elite lose their power. 
This is how governments control us. They control our minds because they don't want you to know that you are a free uh, being that has incredible powers, that your thoughts can create your reality. Everything you have in your life, JV, um, is because you thought it into existence. You thought it, believed it, followed it, and that energy all came together, and you have everything that you have. People have the same patterns in their life again and again because of their beliefs. The news, the, the government is all here to control your mind. Government, the word itself is mind control. Govern the mind, all right? So, you know, if they, if they can convince you that God doesn't exist, then you give up your, your power. They, you know, they can't take it away from you, but if they say, hey, you know, check this out, and you're like, oh, my God, I'm, a, I'm afraid of asteroids, and we're going to run out of oil, you know, the dinosaurs, yeah. you know, we're not going to find any more dinosaur bones, um, all of the nonsense, and you just, you, you just give away your power. You say, okay, government, take, you know, take it. Go ahead, inject me with that vaccine. Go ahead, do whatever you want. Tell me to stay in my house. I'll do it. You know, all of that stuff, um, it's because we're in this situation because people are lost in space. They're lost in space. I, so I am before I, yeah, I don't know how much time we have left, but before we go, I make sure I have a question to ask you at the end. So okay. just give me a, a little a minute at the end. Go ahead. Sure. Um, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said about about control. And we're seeing that firsthand right now with this pandemic. And we're seeing and in fact, back in March, when this when the lockdowns were first being discussed and things were starting to change, I said, um, th- be careful about this. They're using science to justify incredible restrictions and confiscation of freedoms. The next thing they're going to do when they see they can get away with this with the pandemic is they're going to use it for climate change. And lo and behold, those uh, words are now starting to come out of the mouths of our politicians. They've realized they can actually enforce these restrictions on people without very much protest at all. And they're going to continue to use them for whatever uh, whatever they're looking, whatever their agenda happens to be of the day. So I'm with you there. I do question, however, why this uh, this heliocentric model does anything to really make me question my um, divinity. I is it incompatible with religion? Because I don't seem to think it is. What am I missing? Something. Well, so religion, you know, um, has divided up the world a lot. There's a lot of good people that are in their religions that have a, uh, a solid belief in the creator. And that's great. And that they might've boxed themselves in a little bit, but that's fine. They're still good. There's a lot of people that are doing really well in this world that think they live on a spinning ball. That's okay too. But if you're somebody like me, before I discovered that the earth is intelligently designed, therefore there has to be a creator. I was 100% following science. I believed the nonsense that they were telling me. I believed that I was a random accident, uh, that nothing mattered. There is no God. It doesn't matter. Matter. Um, but when I discovered that we are in a, in a design system, that we are special, everything changed for me. Everything. Um, you know, you take your power back and you, you become so much more connected. Rather than spinning out of control in four different directions at once, I'm standing on solid ground. I am at the center of creation. I am, I'm, I am not afraid of asteroids because they don't exist, how we're told. Um, and, and all of the other stuff. It, it's all to control your mind with fear. The only thing to fear is fear itself. Um, you know, it's easy to fool somebody. It's really difficult to convince them that they've been fooled because nobody likes having their ball taken away. We've heard a lot about whistleblowers in the last four or five years. We, we seem to have them all over the place doing all sorts of things. Why haven't we had, or maybe we have, and I'm just not aware, but why haven't we had whistleblowers who are in on the lie, who have come forward and said, 
I know this is a lie, and here's why, and here, here's how I was involved. Yeah, there are whistleblowers. You know, um, there are there's big whistleblowers in this world, and they don't turn out right. Uh, Moammar Gaddafi was a whistleblower. In his famous UN speech, he was saying that the, the United Nations is going to take over the world with a fake virus and vaccines. They're going to make everyone sick. That's what he was saying at the UN years ago, and now he's dead. He also created the Great Man-Made River, the largest aquifer project in all of the world. He was pumping water all across Africa in these giant pipes. It took him 40 years to build. He was giving farmers organic farms. Any family that wanted to start a farm, organic farm, cows, you know, cattle, land, water, everything. He was going to feed all of Africa. When he finished, the U.N., by headed by Hillary Clinton, went in and bombed the whole thing with depleted uranium. You don't hear about that in school. I mean, it's unreal what's going on in this world, the deception. You know, I grew up thinking of Omar Gaddafi. He's a horrible, evil man. Right. He was the greatest leader on Earth ever. Well, I'm not sure I can make that leap with you right now, David. I'd have to have that discussion a little longer for me to go there. Yeah. But I understand your point, and it's well taken. Um, I think this 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 pandemic and our political climate over the last few years is starting to open up a lot of eyes that maybe, just maybe, there's a lot going on that we're not being told about, and there's a lot going on sure. that's undermining our uh, way of life, our standard of living, all of these things. I do think... There's some light being shined on some of this. This sounds like this might be part of it. Um, absolutely. There is a big awakening going on, and, and supposedly today is the day that people are supposed to wake up. So I can't wait to wake up tomorrow to see if everybody's taking off their mask and start, stop believing all the nonsense. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of light at the end of this tunnel, um, but it's, it's scary right now because people are walking around like zombies. They have no idea what's going on. Uh, the world, it, it, we are at a, a, a point right now, you know, a hundred years ago, we had the Spanish flu, and that same thing happened, people wearing masks back then. You know, the soldiers came back from war in 1918, 1919, and they said they're all sick from being in these foreign lands. No, they were sick from the massive amount of vaccinations they got, mm-hmm. and they told America, we need to protect our heroes, you all need to get vaccinated. There was a mass vaccination and then there was a massive die-off. I think the die-off of the Spanish flu is far bigger than anyone's telling us. And, you know, we seem to be repeating this 100 years later. I think every 100 years or so, the world wakes up enough where the, control, the controlling elite um, redo the same thing again and again to call the population. That is their stated goal. You know, Bill Gates said himself that if we do fa- uh, vaccinations effectively, we can reduce the population by 10 to 15 percent. He said that in a public speech. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. And, and, it's, um, and you know, go look up the Deagle report, Deagle.com, and that's a, g- a quasi-government website that talks about the gross natural product and the population of the world. They're predicting that in the year 2025, the United States will be 100 million people. That's 230 million people less than today, wow. right? The U.K., equal numbers dropping down. Uh, all of the nations that are, that are doing this crazy vaccination program, they have massive drops in the population in the next five years. This is... According to, you know, this is out there. They tell us what they're doing, and if we don't say no, we're saying yes. It's a crazy world we live in, JV. One more. Um, gr- I have a question for you before yeah, we run no, out of time. No, of course. Go I, I've, I've got, yeah, we'll get there. Um, NASA obviously has spent a lot of time, a lot of money doing something, and most of the people that work for NASA believe, uh, if not all of them, that, uh, you know, they've been launching rockets into space, they've been exploring our solar system, they've been on the moon, and 
Uh, you know, they've had programs such as the space shuttle, which looks down on Earth and sees it as a big yeah. globe. What what's the deal with all of that? If 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 what you're right. saying is true, um, what's going on Let with NASA? That. Is that a big fraud? Every single thing that you just said is just pure belief. You have no um, understanding. And don't take it personally. You have no. no, no I, don't, um, I don't take that personally. I understand. Of, yeah, and you have no evidence of what you're saying. You have no idea how many people work for NASA. Right. I think maybe 500 people work for NASA, and probably half of them have no idea because of compartmentalization of what's going on. NASA gets $65 million a day, every single day. What do they do? They do nothing, right? They're, they're, I actually don't think they get that money. They're just taking that money from us. It's a, money is just another control method. Um, NASA has never launched anyone into space. You watch any launch, it goes up, it curves out, and in no time at all, in less than a minute, they switch to CGI and the, and the thing is gone. It's out over the Bermuda Triangle where there's no, nobody, no boats out there for some reason. And these things crash into the ocean. Nobody has ever been to space. The space station, if we caught them hanging from wires or using green screens or using uh, augmented reality to float their microphone in space, if we caught them red-handed once, that's enough. We've caught them red-handed a thousand times. And on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app, what about NASA and the other space agencies? Click that button. Bring food and water if you do, because you're going to be there for a long time, and your mind is going to be blown. Um, NASA, every single word out of their mouth is nothing more than a Hollywood studio. They're complete and total nonsense, and every other space agency is all part of it. It's all one big gang, and they divided it up. No, there's JAXA, there's NASA, there's ESA. Nope, they're all the same. It's all nonsense, uh, including SpaceX. Ridiculous. Okay, so before you ask the question that you wanted to ask, let people know, A, if they're more curious about this, what is the best way to kind of dip their toe in, maybe even pull up their pant legs and step right into this idea, um, and let them know how to get the app, which is, should be pretty obvious, but go ahead and do that, and any other ways that they can follow your work. Right, so... The com has all the links to everything. Um, if you go on your, on your iPhone or your Android and just search in Flat Earth Clock, it should come right up. But it's the Flat Earth Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app um, by Blue Water Bay, just so you make sure you get the right one. Um, take the Flat Earth app challenge. Watch that daily video every day for two weeks. Um, and you have to do it slowly. I mean, don't just dive in because it's a lot. It's going to rip the foundation of your world out from underneath you. Uh, that will get you there the fastest. My YouTube channel is just the initials for Deep Inside the Rabbit Hole, D-I-T-R-H. There's all short videos there. Some of my interviews are there. Um, but the app is the best way. Um, it's $2.99. You're buying me a half a beer, allowing me to keep doing this. Um, and and that's, that's great. What was the other part? Was there something else I was just any, to say? Any, you know, you've, I think you covered it as far as how people can follow the work and get the app, and I think you got it all there. So you had a question. Yep. What's your question for me? So you said you're, you're leaning on the globe side. Can you give me one proof of the globe? And I'll, don't think for a second, because I want one proof of the globe. And if you've done any research, you're going to realize photos from space, you know, that comes from NASA, doesn't count. And NASA even admits they don't have any photos of Earth. Uh, six and shadows, boats over the horizon, seasons. We've covered all of that. Those are not proofs. And I'm going to ask you to come up with one proof. And when you can't, you have to ask yourself, why do you still believe you live on a ball then? Yeah, well, you're you're absolutely right, and and you pointed it out when we started talking about the NASA part of this conversation. You know, much everything that I repeated to you, 
I have no firsthand knowledge of. There are a lot of things that I consider to be things that I know and I'm aware of that I don't have first knowledge of, and I take on faith. And everything that would point to the Earth being a globe, I have to take on faith. But but conversely, I'd have to say everything I I would take uh, that is in support of the flat Earth idea, I would also have to take on faith. Absolutely not. We can see too far, okay? That's flat and stationary. Every test that's ever been done by any scientist for the last 100 or 200 years uh, to, with a bias to prove the Earth is spinning, to prove it's curved, has failed. There's a whole bunch of peer-reviewed scientific tests that have failed and proved that the Earth is flat and stationary. Gyros prove the Earth is flat and stationary. Airplanes prove the Earth is flat and stationary. Every single thing that we experience proves that the Earth is flat and stationary. When you watch the sunset, do you feel like you're falling over backwards faster than the speed of sound? Or do you feel like the sun is just moving away and going beyond the horizon? Yeah, I've never felt like I'm falling over backwards, no. Well, that's the spinning ball model is we're spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, orbiting 66,600 miles an hour, chasing the sun at a half a million miles an hour, moving sideways at one to two million miles per hour. But meanwhile, we have lakes that reflect mountains, and you can't tell the difference if you turn your head upside down, which one is up, right side up or down, because they're like mirrors, right? If you had a bowl of water, a big shallow bowl of water in a car, you're going 100 miles an hour down a perfectly smooth road, beautiful. Take a turn now and tell me what happens to that water. Well, we're turning and curving and spinning and flying and lakes and not everything just doesn't slosh around. You know how you know we're not on a spinning ball in an infinite vacuum? Because we're not dead. <laughs> David, you present a very, very good argument. You, you present your uh, information very uh, in a way that's very easy to understand, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, this topic tends to uh, elicit a lot of emotion from a lot of people. There are people passionate on both sides of it, but I love the discussion. I absolutely love this discussion. I think it's, it's fascinating, regardless of what perspective the guest happens to take, and I, I appreciate yours. So... People can get the app. They can uh, you you guide them through information that's going to help them make up their own minds. I'm assuming, and um, you know, I mean, that's probably the best way to do it. Right. If you uh, if you get the app, you take the daily the challenge. Um, if you hit that archive button, bring food and water, as I said. But if you think he's like, wait a minute, what about this? Go to the frequently asked questions page. The answer is there. If you don't have the answer. Email me. I'll give out my email address. It's info at theflatearthpodcast.com. But if your question is answered in the app, the only thing you're going to get back from me, go check the app. It's in there. But if you ask me a question that's not in the app, happy to answer it. That's terrific. Thank you so much for your time and your passion for this particular topic. I do hope you'll agree to come back. And, and, and if, you know, I'd be happy to take this challenge and, uh, and have you back to talk about it in a couple of weeks if you want to try to do that. No problem. Do you have an Android phone or uh, or an iPhone? I have an iPhone. Okay, and the email address that I that I've been communicating with you, I could send you the app up to that email address. That's the best way to do it for sure. All right, you got it. Uh, thanks for having me and everybody. You know, don't Google flat Earth. You'll end up at the Flat Earth Society and other nonsense. Look, you know, go to a channel like Globebusters every Sunday, three p.m. after the New Year's. Um, uh, there's a three-hour live show where we talk all flat Earth. Amazing show. I believe Globusters is in your YouTube chat. Um, there's, there's so much information out there, but Google won't serve it to you because they don't want to lose control of your mind. 
Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.